0: Chapter thirty nine of the Land Leaguers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Land Leaguers by Antony Trollope. Chapter thirty nine. Captain Clayton's First Triumph. It was now April, and this April was a sad month in Ireland. I do not know why the deaths of two such men as were then murdered should touch the heart with a deeper sorrow than is felt for the fate of others whose lot is lower in life why the poor widow who has lost her husband while doing his duty amidst outrages and unmanly revenges is not to be so much thought of as the sweet lady who has been robbed of her all in the same fashion but so it is with human nature we know how a people will weep for their sovereign and it was with such tears as that with tears as sincere as those shed for the best of kings that lord frederick cavendish and mr burke were lamented in April these two men had fallen, hacked to death, in front of the vice-regal lodge. By whom they were killed, as I write now, no one knows, and as regards Lord Frederick, one can hardly guess the reason. He had come over to Ireland on that very day, to take the place which his luckier predecessor had just vacated, and had as yet done no service and excited no vengeance in Ireland. He had only attended an opening pageant, because with him had come a new Lord-lieutenant, not new indeed to the office but new in his return an accident had brought the two together on the day but lord frederick was altogether a stranger and yet he had been selected such had been his fate and such also the fate of mr burke who next to him in official rank may possibly have been in truth the doomed one they were both dealt with horribly on that april morning and all ireland was grieving all ireland was repudiating the crime and saying that this horror had surely been done by american hands even the murderers native to ireland seemed to be thoroughly ashamed of this deed it would be needless here to tell or to attempt to tell how one lord lieutenant had made way for another and one chief secretary for another chief secretary it would be trying to do too much in the pages of a novel the novelist can hardly do more than indicate the sources of the troubles which have fallen upon the country and can hardly venture to deal with the names and characters of those who have been concerned for myself i do most cordially agree with the policy of him in whose place lord frederick had this day suffered as far as his conduct in ireland can be read from that which he did and from that which he spoke as far as he had agreed with the government in their measure for interfering with the price paid for land in the country for putting up a new law devised by themselves in lieu of that time-honoured law by which property has ever been protected in england i disagree of my disagreement no one will take notice but my story cannot be written without expressing it but down at morony castle mingled with their sorrows there was a joy and a triumph not loud indeed not sounded with trumpets not as yet perfect not quite assured even in the mind of one man but yet assuring in the mind of that man and indeed of one other almost to conviction that man was captain yorke clayton and that other man was only poor hunter the wounded policeman for such triumph as was theirs a victim is needed and in this case the victim the hoped-for victim was mr lax nothing had ever been made out in regard to the murder of terry carroll in the court-house at galway Irish mysteries are coming to be unriddled now, but there will be no unriddling of that. York Clayton, together with Hunter and all the police of County Galway, could do nothing in regard to that mystery. They had struggled their very best, and from the nature of the crime had found themselves almost obliged to discover the perpetrator. The press of the two countries, the newspapers in other respects so hostile to each other, had united in declaring that the police were bound to know all about it the police had determined to know nothing about it because the government did not dare to bring forward such evidence this was the irish land league view and though it contained an accusation against the government for having contrived the murder itself it was all the better on that account the english papers simply said that the galway police must be fast asleep this man had been murdered when in the very hands of the officers of justice the judge had seen the shots fired the victim fell into the hands of four policemen the pistol was found at his feet it was done in daylight and all galway was looking on the kind of things that were said by one set of newspapers and another drove york clayton almost out of his wits he had to maintain a show of good humour and he did maintain it gallantly my hero is a hero still whispered edith to her own pillow but in truth nothing could be done as to that galway case Mr. Lax was still in custody, and was advised by counsel not to give any account of himself at that time. It was indecent on the part of the prosecution that he should be asked to do so. So said the lawyers on his side, but it was clear that nobody in the court and nobody in Galway could be got to say that he or she had seen him do it, and yet York Clayton had himself seen the hip of the stooping man. "'I suppose I couldn't swear to it,' he said to himself, and it would be hard to see how he could swear to the man without forswearing himself.' but while this lamentable failure was going on success reached him from another side he didn't care a straw what the newspapers had said of him so long as he could hang mr lax his triumph in that respect would drown all other failures mr lax was still in custody and many insolent petitions had been made on his behalf in order that he might be set free did the crown intend to pretend that they had any shadow of evidence against him as to the shooting of terry carroll no but there was another murder committed a day or two before poor young florian jones had been murdered even presuming that lax's hand cannot be seen visible in the matter of terry carroll there is we think something to connect him with the other murder the two no doubt were committed in the same interest the crown is not prepared to allow lax to escape from its hands quite yet then there were many words on the subject going on just at the time at which lax especially wanted his freedom and at which to tell the truth york clayton was near the end of his tether in regard to poor florian in the beginning of his inquiry as to the ballygloonan murder he entertained an idea that lax after firing the shot had been seen by that wicked car-driver who had boycotted mr jones in his great need the reader will probably have forgotten that mr jones had required to be driven home to morony castle from ballygloonan station and had been refused the accommodation by a wicked old landleaguer who had joined the conspiracy formed in the neighbourhood against mr jones he had done so either in fear of his neighbours or else in a true patriot spirit, because he had gone without any supper, as had also his horses on the occasion. The man's name was Teddy Mooney, the father of Kit Mooney, who stopped the hunting at Moytubber, and he certainly was patriotic. From day to day he went on refusing fares, for the boycotted personages were, after all, more capable of paying fares than the boycotting hero of doing without them, suffering much himself from want of victuals, and more on behalf of his poor animal he saw his son kit more than once or twice in those days and kit appeared to be the stauncher patriot of the two kit was a baker and did earn wages but he utterly refused to subsidize the patriotism of his father if ye can't do that for the old country said kit ye ain't half the man i took ye for but he refused him a gallon of oats for his horse it was not at once that the old man gave way. He went on boycotting individuals till he hadn't a pair of breeches left to sit upon, and the non-boycotted tradesmen of the little towns around declined to sit upon his car because the poor horse, fed upon roadside grasses, refused to be urged into a trot. "'Tarren ages, man, what's the good of it? Ain't we a-cutting the noses off our own faces, and that with the money so scarce that I haven't seen the sight of half a crown this two weeks?' it was thus that he declared his purpose of going back to the common unpatriotic ways of mankind to an old pal whom he had known all his days he did do so but found alas that his trade had perished in the meanwhile or forced itself into other channels the result was that teddy mooney became very bitter in spirit and was for a while an orangeman and almost a protestant the evil things that had been done to him were terrible to his spirit he had been threatened with eviction from ten acres of ground because he couldn't pay his rent or as he said because he had declined to drive a maid-servant to the house of another gentleman who was also boycotted this had not been true but it had served to embitter teddy mooney and now at last he had determined to belong to the other side when an irishman does make up his mind to serve the other side he is very much determined there is but the meditation of two minutes between land leaguing and orangism between boycotting landlords and thorough devotion to the dear old landlord when kit mooney had first laid down the law to his father how he ought to assist in boycotting all the enemies of the land league no one saw his way clearer than did teddy mooney i wouldn't mind doing without a bit or a sup he said when his son explained it to him that he might have to suffer a little for the cause not a bit or a sup when the old country wants it he had since had a few words with his son Kit, and was now quite on the other side of the question. He was told that somebody had threatened to cut off his old mare's tail because he had driven Phil Darcy. Since that he had become a martyr as well as an orangeman, and was disposed to go any length for the gentleman. This had come all about by degrees, or had been coming about since poor Florian's murder, and at last he wrote a letter to York Clayton, or got someone else to write it. "'Your honour, it was lax as dropped, Master Flory. Divil a dote about it.' there's one as can tell more about it as is on the road from and all round this comes from a well-wisher as to the old cause for muster clayton when captain clayton received this he at once knew from whom it had come the landleaguing car-driver who had turned gentleman's friend was sufficiently well known to history to have been talked about clayton therefore did not lose much time in going down to ballygloonin station and requiring to be driven yet once again from thence to Carnlough and now mr teddy mooney he said after they had travelled together a mile or two from ballyglunin and had come almost to the spot at which the poor boy had been shot tell me what you know about mr lax's movements in this part of the world he had never come there before since the fatal day without having three policemen with him but now he was alone such a man as teddy mooney would be most unwilling to open his mouth in the presence of two or more persons oh lord captain how you come on a poor fellow all unawares stop a moment mr mooney and the car stopped whereabouts was it the young gentleman perished them's the very shot-holes said teddy pointing up to the temporary embrasure which had indeed been knocked down half a score of times since the murder and had as often been replaced by the diligent care of mr blake and captain clayton just so they are the shot-holes and which way did the murderer run teddy pointed with his whip away to the east over the ground on which the man had made his escape and where did you first see him "'See him?' ejaculated Teddy. "'It became horrible to his imagination, "'as he thought that he was about to tell of such a deed. "'Of course we know you did see him, "'but I want to know the exact spot. "'It was over there, nigh to Widow Dolan's cottage. "'It wasn't the widow who saw him, I think. "'Thanks, it was the widow, then, with her own eyes. "'I hardly knowed him. "'And yet I did know him, "'for I'd seen him once travelling from Ballinasloe with Pat Carroll, "'and lax as a man as when you've once seen him "'you've seen him for Alice.' but she knowed him well her husband was one of the boys when the Fenians were up if he didn't go into the widow dolan's cabin my name's not teddy mooney and who else was there there was no one else but only her daughter a slip of a girl of fifteen come up while lax was there i know she come up because i saw her coming just as i passed the door captain clayton entered into very friendly relations with teddy mooney on that occasion trying to make him understand without any absolute promises that all the luck and all the rewards in fact all the bacon and oats lay on the dish to which mr lax did not belong under these influences teddy did become communicative though he lied most artfully that did not in the least shock captain clayton who certainly would have believed nothing had the truth been told him without hesitation at last it came out that the car-driver was sure as to the personality of Lax. had seen him again and again since he had first made his acquaintance in Carroll's company, and could swear to having seen him in the widow's cabin. He knew also that the widow and her daughter were intimate with Lax. He had not seen the shot fired. This he said in an assured tone. But Captain Clayton had known that before. He did not expect to find any who had seen the shot fired except Mr. Jones and Peter. And as to Peter, he had his suspicions mr jones was certain that peter had told the truth in declaring that he had seen no one but the captain had argued the matter out with him a fellow of that kind is in a very hard position You must remember that for the truth itself he cares nothing he finds a charm rather in the romantic beauty of a lie lax is to him a lovely object even though he be aware that he and lax be on different sides and then he thoroughly believes in lax thinks that lax possesses some mysterious power of knowing what is in his mind and of punishing him for his enmity all the want of evidence in this country comes from belief in the marvellous the people think that their very thoughts are known to men who make their name conspicuous and dare not say a word which they suppose that it is desired they shall withhold in this case peter no doubt is on our side and would gladly hang lax with his own hand if he were sure he would be safe but lax is a mysterious tyrant who in his imagination can slaughter him any day whereas he knows that he shall encounter no harm from you he and poor florian were sitting on the car with their backs turned to the embrasure and peter's attention was given to the driving of the car so that there was no ground for thinking that he had seen the murderer all the circumstances of the moment ran the other way but still it was possible and captain clayton was of opinion that peter was beginning to be moved from the determined know-nothingness of his primary evidence he had seen the flash and then as his master had run up the bank he didn't know whether he hadn't caught the flying figure of a man i had the poor boy's head on my knees captain clayton and how is a poor man to look much about him then in this condition stood captain clayton's mind in regard to peter when he heard for the first time a word about the widow dolan and the widow dolan's daughter the woman swore by all her gods that she knew nothing of lax but then she had already fallen into the difficulty of having been selected as capable of giving evidence it generally happens that no one first person will be found even to indicate others so that there is no finding a beginning to the case but when a witness has been indicated the witness must speak the big blackguard exclaimed mrs dolan when she heard of the evil that had been brought her to have the imperence to mention my name it was felt all the country through to be an impertinence for any one to drag anybody else into the mess of troubles which was sure to arise from an enforced connexion with the law court most unwillingly the circumstances were drawn from mrs dolan and with extreme difficulty also from that ingenious young lady her daughter but still it was made to appear that lax had taken refuge in their cottage and had gone down from thence to a little brook where he effected the cleansing of his pistol the young lady had done all in her power to keep her mother silent but the mother had at last been tempted to speak of the weapon which lax had used now there was no further question of letting lax go loose from prison that very irate barrister mr o'donnell who was accustomed to speak of all the land-league criminals as patriotic lambs whose lamb-like qualities were exceeded only by their patriotism did not dare to intimate such a wish any further but he did urge with all that benevolence for which he was conspicuous that the trial should come on at that immediate spring assizes a rumour had however already reached the ears of captain clayton and others in his position that a great alteration was to be effected in the law this together with mrs dolan's evidence might enable him to hang mr lax therefore the trial was postponed not indeed with outspoken reference as to the new measure but with much confidence in its resources it would be useless here to refer to that bill which was to have been passed for trying certain prisoners in ireland without the intervention of a jury and of the alteration which took place in it empowering the government to alter the venue and to submit such cases to a selected judge to selected juries to selected counties the irish judges had remonstrated against the first measure and the second was to be first tried so that should it fail the judges might yet be called upon to act such was the law under which criminals were tried in eighteen eighty two and the first capital convictions were made under which the country began to breathe freely but the tidings of the law had got abroad beforehand and gave a hope of triumph to such men as captain clayton let a man undertake what duty he will in life if he be a good man he will desire success and if he be a brave man he will long for victory the presence of such a man as lax in the country was an eyesore to captain clayton which it was his primary duty to remove and it was a triumph to him now that the time had come in which he might remove him three times had mr lax fired at the captain's head and three times had the captain escaped i think he has done with his guns and his pistols now said captain clayton in his triumph End of chapter thirty nine